What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Nothing But Sports Podcast. I'm Rahel Jaswell. This is episode 31 of the podcast. we got three things to talk about today. Not so much going on as far as news goes. We're going to talk about the NFL adding an extra game, the Yankees opening day loss, which was yesterday, and the men's and women's Final Fours. The women's Final Four starts tonight at 6 o'clock, so in about half an hour, and the men's is at starts 5.15 tomorrow. So we're going to get into all that later, but let's start quickly with this. The NFL has decided to add an extra game this season. So usually, instead of now, uh, usually it was 16 games with 17 weeks with one bye. I believe now it's going to be 17 weeks with 17 games with 18 weeks and one bye. And I don't know how I feel about feel about this. Um, I mean, a part of me is happy about it because there's more football and there's more games. But a part of me thinks that this is a bad idea. They're taking away one preseason game. But I don't know if we'll see an influ- uh, more amount of injuries. I know some of the players are not happy about this because they already have such a long season. So adding an extra game is not really, really, um, I don't know. I just feel like, I just feel like it's the the players definitely have a right to be upset because they put their bodies through so much, you know, work and and take such big hits. I don't know if they want to do it for an extra week. And most likely a lot of these weeks and if the NFL just wants to make more money off these I mean, based off viewership, a lot of these week 18 games are probably not are probably going to be sitting a bunch of a bunch of players. For example, week eight, uh week the last week of the season, they put Packers versus Chiefs and that that's a great matchup, but realistically it's probably Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes and all the starters are probably going to be sitting by then so I don't really know what the NFL is trying to accomplish there as far as money-wise I mean I guess for the tickets maybe this is an opportunity for international games I know the Atlanta Falcons are going overseas for their last week of the season I'm not sure if the Giants are they're playing the Dolphins I'm not sure if they're going overseas for it but there's um there's always that opportunity so but yeah um I don't know I just feel like I just feel like we're gonna maybe see an influence in injuries if you're if you're trying to if you're trying to you know if you're trying to start the season, it's if you're trying to start the season season a little earlier and you're squishing the the off season making it a little shorter. I just feel like you might see an influence of injuries. You know, maybe players players sit you know players sit the final week out. Um, although I know now the bonuses. For NFL players, going to be based off how many games you play. So there's a real opportunity. So there's a real chance that they actually might still play. But yeah, I don't really know how to feel about this. Um, a part of me doesn't like it. A part of me does like it. Uh, yeah, I just uh, I don't really know how to feel. I, I don't really know how to feel about it. It's kind of like a it's kind of like a weird thing. I just feel like a lot of long term records are going to be broken out. I just don't think that's don't think that's fair to add an extra game and ha- and have some of these amazing records like passing yards and stuff going to probably be broken. So so we'll see. It's already hard enough to keep yourself healthy for Now, if you wanted you um if you wanted you could have done something where you could have added an extra week to the season and made be maybe given two bye weeks. I would've been okay with that. I would have been okay with having an 18-week season for 16 games. I would have been okay giving the teams an uh an extra bye week to make sure everyone's healthy. So I would I would have like I I thought that would have been cool as well if they could have done that, but Nope, they're sticking with one bye week. Um, also, it just uh, another thing that it doesn't sit well. Like if your bye week is week four, then you've now got to play. I mean, before it was already hard enough because you had to play, um, you had to play twelve straight weeks, and now you might have to play thirteen straight weeks. 
and then plus the and then plus the playoffs the week after if you don't get the first round by. Because remember, now only one team gets the first round by because they added the seventh team to the playoffs. So you're not so you're, so now, and you're also so now you're just giving them less time to recover physically, and that and that's more and that can really help. That's really bad for injury wise. So uh, as a fan, I think a part of me likes this because we get to see an extra week of football. But a part of me doesn't like this because I feel like a lot of players are going to be getting injured, and we already saw a season where so many players went down. Um, so uh, so many star names. Uh, Saquon Bar- Barkley went down. McCaffrey went down. Devontae Adams was out for a decent amount of de- decent amount of time. You want to see the best players playing, and it's just it 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 might not. <sighs> There's a real good chance that. Someone and injuries are a part of the game. I understand that, but I think you're just making it the likelihood of it happening even more if you're adding an extra game. So we're gonna see what happens. NFL says they're gonna try and make it full capacity. I mean, that's just not. I don't think that's gonna happen. I just don't think that's true. I don't think. I don't think we'll be in a situation where we'll be able to have a full capacity stadium. But we will see. At least we'll have some fans in attendance, and we'll see what the upcoming season brings. Uh, draft, the, the draft is coming later this month, at the end of the month, so I'll probably do something for that when that comes later in the month. All right, let's move on. That was a little quick one. So let's move on to baseball. I completely forgot to do a season preview. That's on me. Uh, that was not very st- stupid of me to forget, but the Yankees lost their opening game of the season 3-2 to two yesterday, the Toronto Blue Jays, or are they the Buffalo Blue Jays? I have no idea. Um, they lost 3-2. to two. In 10 innings, um, Garrett Cole went five and a third innings, struck out eight batters. The Yankees two runs, Yankees two runs, and basically their whole offense was from Gary Sanchez's two-run home run in the in the second inning. The Rays, um, the, not the Rays, the Blue Jays had a had a um, a more more even offensive display. They had an RBI single in the second inning. They had a solo shot in the sixth. I be, in the sixth. And then in the tenth inning, it was an RBI single because they decided to keep the runner on second rule, which for extra innings, which I don't know if I like. I wasn't a fan of it in the first place, so keep it in a 162 game season, I guess, could help because maybe you're trying to shorten the games to help to help players. But I mean, you're already shortening it because you're making double headers seven innings. So we'll so we'll see. Uh, I mean, I'm not a fan of the the runner on second to start extra innings. I don't know if that's going to be a rule in the postseason. So yeah. Second inning, uh, Gurriel, RBI single, got the Blue Jays in front. Bottom of the second, Sanchez hit a two-run shot. Then Tesco Hernandez, solo shot. And then Gretchik, a double to score the man from second. Uh, so, yeah, let, let, let's analyze it. Um, Garrett Cole, looked, he looked fine to me. Nick Nelson gets the loss for the Yankees because he gave up the run in the 10th inning. And Merriweather gets the save for the Blue Jays. Uh, Henry... Yep. There. Sorry, that was a sound clip of the. If I don't know if you heard that, but there was a sound clip playing on my laptop of the home run from Hernandez in the sixth inning. But so let's get it started. So obviously, the Yankees not the best way to start the season, and a lot of people are concerned because the Yankees. Let's be honest, they squandered this game. They should have won. They had m- numerous chances. They had a big chance in the bottom of the night. They loaded the bases up in. I think I believe the seventh inning, seventh or eighth inning. So they definitely had their chances. Uh, they couldn't capitalize. Um, they were, I think, one for six with runners in scoring position. Had, and I think, believe they had. They were two for twenty-six with thirteen strikeouts. So, 
yeah, not not the best day, but a, and a lot of Yankee fans are already freaking out. Um, relax, okay? It's one game of 162. It's the first game of a 162 game season. Now, granted, if this was last year in a 60 game season, I'd be there'd be a lot more concern in my voice right now. But it's 162 games. Remember, Yankees always start slow. That's always a thing. I don't know why. They always start slow. I mean, the, if you want to be really concerned about one thing, and I can completely understand that, is you can be concerned with the bullpen because now you realize that the Yankees' depth in the bullpen is not there anymore because Zach, Br- Zach Britton's on the 60-day 60 60-day 60 IL, Chapman suspended. Um, Chapman will be back, though. He's only suspended for the first two games, but no Tommy Canely anymore, no Adam Montevito. I mean, Darren O'Day looked pretty good, in my opinion. Uh, Garrett Cole, I mean, he looked fine to me. Five and a thirds, eight strikeouts, two runs. To me, that's pretty good. Only four hits given up. Um, a lot of some, I don't know why, some Yankee fans will probably be disappointed because he didn't go eight shutout innings and strike out 14 batters, but that's just <laughs> that's just unnecessary to, to think that's going to happen in the first game of the season. Um... Garrett Cole, I mean, I mean, he'll, he'll, I think he'll, he's gonna the first two, three starts. If he doesn't have his rhythm, that doesn't concern me because even in that brilliant season he had in Houston, he had a he had a pretty poor ERA in the first couple starts. Same thing like he did last year at a couple rocky starts, but the ERAs were very similar in that situation. So I have I have no doubt he'll find his rhythm, but the offense the offense will get it going. Um, I don't expect DJ LeMahieu to look like this. All day, I mean, all all year. Very uncharacteristic for him to go 0 for 4 in um in a game. Judge, Judge, and Judge will be better. Everyone's going to be better later in the se- season. This is just one game, so let's relax. We're not going to dive too much into it, just because it's 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 expected for everyone to be a little bit rusty after a game. You're not going to come out bashing home runs. Um, at least, I mean, Gary look Gary looked all right. Uh, so. That's that, but I mean, nothing, nothing to be super concerned about if you're a Yankees fan. It's, it always sucks to lose, but I mean, nothing too huge. It's not going to be, don't worry. It's not, it's not something that's, you know, I don't expect this to continue to the season. It's just one game. Even if we lose tomorrow and lose the series to Toronto, it's still early in the season. Let's relax, okay? And also, let's stop acting like the Yankees got shut down by some... By some no-name pitcher. Hunter Ayu won the Cy Young last year for the Dodgers. So this guy, it's not like this guy is a, is a nobody. It's not like he's a no-show. He can he can really throw. And yeah, he doesn't have the velocity, but he has the pitches to do it. He has the off-speed. He won the, I mean, he won the freaking Cy Young last year on a team that had Clayton Kershaw as well. So, and in an national league that had Jacob deGrom. So I know it's only for, not not last year, sorry, the year before, the last 162 game season. He won the Cy Young. So let's let let's stop acting like he's he's a nobody and it's like, whoa, who is this guy? It's relax. I mean, he know he's a he's a good pitcher. So it it's not like the Yankees got shut down by a guy who's never pitched before or something like that. So that's all I have to say on that. Um like I said, it, it sucks to lose. I'm excited for tomorrow. I want to see how Corey Kluber pitches. And again, if Corey Kluber struggles. It's okay because he hasn't pitched in almost two years and almost a full year and a half. So it's okay if he struggles. It's okay. So this is what sometimes pisses me off about Yankee fans because once one day you love a guy and the next day you're like, oh, why do we sign this guy? Let just relax. It's one day. It's one game. The Yankees will be okay and they'll find their stride later in the season. Now come playoff time, 
it, it'll probably be um, come playoff time. I don't know, but that's a long way away. That's almost a full uh, playoff time. We're talking is almost a full year away. <laughs> so we're gonna so let let's let's relax about that. Only one game. You rebound. You come back Saturday and Sunday and try and finish the series strong. So that's that. Also, positive note: Chad Green looked pretty good. He got rocked around a lot in this in spring training. He pitched an inning and two thirds shutout innings. So that's so that's also a positive note. So there's some positives to take away from the Yankees. Because uh, the Blue Jays have a pretty good lineup. They only scored three runs. So that's that's a positive to take away from it. Anyway, let's move on to the final topic of the day. There's not much um, that has happened this week. I mean, I could talk about the LaMarcus Aldridge, Andre Drumming stuff, but that's already super old anyway. So we're going to do a preview of the men's and women's Final Four. The women's Final Four tips off in about 19 minutes now because it's currently 541 with UConn. I mean, it's, no, sorry, with Stanford and South Carolina. And then at 930 p.m., comes UConn and Arizona. So we're going to do a little preview for it. So let's start with the earlier game. Let's start with South Carolina versus Stanford. Two one seeds going at it. Uh, South Carolina, sorry, I think Stanford is the favorite for this one. Um, I got Stanford winning this game. And um, it's a battle of two ones, so it could go either way. But the reason I I got Stanford winning this game is because they are a very deep team. Stanford can beat you in a bunch of different ways. They have a bunch of score. They have... They they have the chance they have the people they have you know they have the talent for their like you know their non how do I rephrase this for their for not you know for their their role players to step up let's just say that their big players don't have you know their big stars don't have to do anything Ashton uh, Pretzel was great in the elite eight um, sixteen points in sixteen minutes off the bench she was phenomenal in the elite eight so it's it and it was quick and efficient so it's Stanford is very efficient with their scoring as well, and they can shoot the three ball really well. Now, granted, South Carolina definitely can win this game because South Carolina has unbelievable defense. Uh, they held the Longhorns scoreless for almost a full quarter, which is, I mean, I think for actually a full quarter. But the one concern I have with South Carolina is they need to play really fast, a really fast pace to win this game because they they are not good in the half court. If you get South Carolina in the half court, because they struggle from three-point range, they re- and they can't shoot the jumper. They're not a good jump-shooting team. And if you get them in the half-court situation and, and, and you know, run, make them run the half-court offense, it just doesn't work. They're not a very efficient team when it comes to that. And that's exactly what's going to happen because when you get down in the, in the Final Four and late in these games in a close game, the pace just just normally, naturally, just slows down. And so South Carolina is going to have to somehow get it done in the half-court offense. Now, granted, like I said, their defense is unbelievable. They have, it's all about defense for them. But they're just, they've, I'm pretty sure they've got the best defense in the NCAA tournament. They've had their best, they hold their opponents to 34% shooting um, and 36% in the regular season. So they've actually played a lot better defense down the stretch, but it just doesn't favor them down the stretch because they're not good in the half court offense and the pace of games in these type of you know in these type of events just naturally slow down so they're going to have longer you're going to have longer possessions and you're going to have less opportunities to get out on the fast break and that all points to Stanford cuz Stanford can shoot the three ball and everything else a lot better than them so for that reason I'm going to go with Stanford to win this game and I think they advance the national championship all right now let's talk about the later game. We're going to talk about the Yukon Huskies, number one team, tw- um, only two losses on the season. First, the number three seed, Arizona Wildcats. Um, I got Yukon winning. I know it might seem biased because 
because it's UConn, it's Connecticut, but UConn is probably the best team. And, you know, 13, now this is the 13th straight Final Four. Paige Beckers is unbelievable. I mean, if she if she enters the WNBA or not, I think she can. I think she's ready. She's unbelievable. You just take a look at her. There's no holes in her game. She plays good defense. She gets in the passing lanes. She can shoot the three balls. She can drive. She knocks down free throws. She can do anything you want. And it's really hard to find, find a downside with this team. The real one downside I guess you can find is they're going to be they're going to be thin spread on the bench, but when you have so much talent like that, it's it's really it's really fine. They can make up for it. So I guess that's the one reason you can be concerned with this with this UConn team. Um, so that's that's it. Um, the other reason, and now, but Arizona is also like I said, they're very capable of pulling off the win. And the reason is because Ari McDonald is an absolute stud defensively. If anyone's going to shut down Paige uh, Beckers in this UConn, UConn offense, it's going to be it's going to be her. Um, she's coming off back to back thirty point games, uh, de- Pac twelve Defensive Player of the Year now twice, twice uh, two time Pac twelve Defensive Player of the Year. So she's very good defensively, and she can disrupt the rhythm of the UConn offense. But the problem with this um, with this Arizona team is they need someone else. Um, their top two scores, re, uh, their top two scores have not been playing well this this whole tournament, and you're gonna need and you're gonna need someone down the stretch. And you're gonna need more than one person to beat the Huskies. That's just how it works. And if they and if the and if you know they don't pick up their level, if their two best, their two, you know, Kate Reese and the 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 other players, their best scores don't pick up their level, they're not gonna be able to win this game. You have to have more than one score. You have to have more than one score beat you if you're. If you're um if you're Arizona, that's just the way it is, um so that's why I'll roll with UConn for this game, and then it comes to a national championship between UConn and Stanford, um and I think I'd pick UConn to win it all, and the reason is I know UConn could be you know spread out on the bench, and Stanford definitely has the depth to beat them, but keep in mind that Stanford has not played a single you know complete end to end game yet. They've had so they've had a lot of times in this tournament where they've had a quarter or so where they're kind of lull and they go through phases and you just can't do that against this UConn team. Uh, just ask Baylor. Baylor was up by 10. They go through a lull and UConn hits him on a 19-0 run and ends up winning the game. So you just cannot, you cannot allow that to happen. And I feel like, I feel like Stanford, if, if, and I feel like that's almost inevitable for them, for it to happen to them. And that's why I think UConn will win the national championship. Uh, I would say all these games would be pretty close, but I think UConn wins it all in the end. And their program is unbelievable now. 13 straight Final Fours. Um, we'll see if Paige Beckers decides to stay one more year. I feel like if she loses, she'd stay one more year. If she wins, I think she'd go to the WNBA. But that is that is what I have to say about the women's Final Four. Uh, my winner is UConn. Let's go to the men's Final Four now. They tip off on Saturday at 5.15. Baylor plays Houston. And then at 8.34, I believe, Gonzaga plays the 11th-seeded UCLA. So we're going to start with Baylor versus Houston. A one-seeded Baylor versus two-seeded Houston. Um, a lot of people are saying that Houston is a fraudulent team because they haven't beat a, uh, a um, you know, a single. They they've only played double-digit seeds, and while that is true, I wouldn't call them extremely fraudulent because they're still a very good team. But they're not going to beat Baylor. Um, and the reason is Baylor's flying high right now, beating Arkansas. They're third in offense. They have the third best offensive efficiency. I think they're sixth overall in all, or. They're sixth overall in offense, and they have four players averaging double figures in their starting in their starting lineup. Now, granted, Houston has had a great defensive tournament. They've 
held their held they've held their opponents to under six in the sixty point range and under in every game in every game this tournament. But granted, those teams were not Baylor. Those teams are not on the a level of of Baylor. Um, Oregon State is not on that level. Neither is Syracuse. Neither is Cleveland State. So that's just a nat- that's just a natural thing that these te- that the teams they have held down defensively are not the same level as Baylor. And also, the Houston offense has really struggled, but they've been able to be- they've been bailed out because of their defense. Besides scoring 85 points in the first game against Cleveland State, and that was against a 15th seed, they haven't they've they've been stuck in the 60 range, and that's not going to work against Baylor. If you want to beat them, you're going to have to score at least in the 70s because Baylor's averaging somewhere around 80 points a game. So they have to pick up their shooting. Quentin Grimes, he's going to have to be on. Baylor's got to attack. I, um, Houston, I, Houston has got to be very aggressive like they were on the offensive boards against Oregon State. Now, whether can they do that or not, I don't know. But they were able to get so many offensive rebounds against Oregon State, I think. And they were not a big team. They would just send swarms of people to get the rebound, 40 I think they got an offensive rebound about 40% of their possessions. So they're going to have to do that as well. But I just think all signs point to Baylor as far as consistent we, of what we've seen in this tournament. And I think Baylor goes to the national championship. Now, the other group, the other game at 8-34 is UConn. Uh, not UConn, sorry. I'm thinking of the women's Final Four. Is um, Gonzaga, number one seed versus UCLA. Gonzaga undefeated. Best team in the country, best team in the nation, 26-0. I don't think they've had a game this tournament or maybe even this season that they they haven't won by double digits, which is unbelievable. I think Villanova won every game by double digits in the tournament in 2017 when they last won it, or that might have been 2018. I'm getting my years confused, but um, yeah, I think it was 2018, actually. So, yeah, because they were defending champions 2019. Anyway, I'm getting off topic, so... Can UCLA, do they have any magic left? Can they upset um, Gonzaga? I think they can keep it close for the first part of the game, uh, you know, for the first 15, 16 minutes. But I think Baylor, I, I think Gonzaga pulls away towards the ha- towards halftime and they end up clinching it relatively, I'd say maybe by like 11 or 12 points margin of victory. I think that's actually the spread. I think the spread is 14. Um, And the reason is... I mean, Gonzaga looks absolutely unstoppable right now. You know, um, David uh, Timmy looks unbelievable. Jalen Suggs looks brilliant. This whole team, this looks like maybe one of the maybe the greatest college basketball team we've ever seen. And I know that's a lot to say, but it, it genuinely looks like that with the way they just are extremely efficient on offense. They 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 get in your face defensively. I mean, it's just you have to play. And also, the thing is, they can they can beat you by 15, 20 points if they play half of how good they are. Like. Let's say you're giving them a letter grade. If they play like a B minus or a B, they'll still easily beat you by 15 points, which is just unbelievable. Um, also, UCLA. Granted, they did beat Michigan, but they they have to be a whole lot better if they want any chance at beating the Zags, because Michigan was really struggling from three. I mean, you can make the argument that Michigan really should have won that game. They had four open shots for the win, and I'm not knocking the UCLA defense, but Michigan had four open shots for the win. And their offense in the first half was carried by Johnny Juzek. He scored 18 of their 27 in the first half. That can't happen again because Gonzaga, you think Gonzaga is at least going to score 45 plus in the 43, 45 in the first half. So they need, um, they're going to need all three J's. They're going to need the three J's to step up. 
um, Juzeg, um, Jack Jaquez. They need they need all three of them to they need all three of them to step up. I mean, not Jaquez, Hawkes, Hawkes, sorry. And they're also going to need Tyrese Campbell to step up. Cody Riley's got to be efficient. He's got to stay out of foul trouble. He never got into the game. Never got into the flow of game against Michigan because he was in foul trouble. He that cannot happen. He he cannot get into foul trouble early. If they're if they're uh, if they have any sh- shot at winning this game, um. So yeah, that's why I just don't know. So yeah, I mean, I'd pick Gonzaga. UCLA's had a great run, and maybe they do pull out something. And all, another thing I'm concerned about is UCLA plays a lot of hero ball. If you look at the way they play, they don't have a lot of ball movement when they're playing. It's a lot of just one-on-one hero ball between the three Js. Maybe a couple. There are a couple good feeds here and there, but. It's just it's to me it's just not it's just not gonna be consistent enough to beat the Zags. And maybe they do play an extremely high level in the first half. Question is, can they sustain that level? Because Gonzaga's probably gonna sustain that level. So can they can sustain that high level of play? I don't think so. But I will say that this UCLA team is gonna be dangerous for they're gonna be dangerous in the future, in the next year or two. Because keep in mind they have no seniors on their team. All these guys are Johnny Juzeg. All these guys are sophomores, and I think sophomores and ju- freshmen. I don't know if they have any juniors as well. So, and I don't think any of them are probably going to go to the draft um, after this season. So you have to think that they're going to be back here next year. And I'm I'm already looking at Juzeg and Hawkes and a lot of these guys as maybe NBA prospects in the next coming in in the next two years or so. So they're going to be dangerous for years to come because they're probably going to have the same team back. And I think. Next year, you can honestly maybe see them back here in the Final Four again, or back in another deep run in the NCAA tournament. But this year, they've had a great tournament. Pac-12 is—they've represented the Pac-12 well. All teams have all Pac-12 teams play out of their minds in this tournament, but it's just not going to be enough. And that brings us to the national championship. A lot of people already had this set: uh, Gonzaga versus Baylor for the national championship. I actually picked Baylor to win at the start of the season. But I think I'm gonna I'm think I'm gonna lift and go with Gonzaga this time, just because I don't think anyone can be consistent enough to stop their offense. Now Baylor is probably the best chance they have at beating Gonzaga, and Baylor does play very well. Um, you've seen them wear out teams. They wore out Villanova, who was a very good team. They wore out Arkansas. I mean, Arkansas got behind early and they almost gave it up, but they executed well in the final four minutes of that game. But I think Gonzaga this year is just on a different level compared to all other compared to all other teams. I mean, the fact that they have just absolutely I mean, they beat Creighton by almost 30, and Creighton's a very good team. And honestly, against Creighton, they were beaten by 30. They weren't even playing their best. And that's this that's a scary part. We have not I don't think we've seen Gonzaga play the best level of basketball they have played in this tournament, which is extremely scary to think about. And I think we're going to see that in the national championship. And I think it'll be a very entertaining game. I don't know if it'll be a double-digit win for the Zags, but I think it'll be a nine, you know, close to it, an eight or nine-point win. So I know it's boring to pick Gonzaga, but I mean, how could you not pick them with the way they're playing right now? They look scary good. They look on a different level. And again, people are debating whether this is the greatest college basketball team we've seen all year. I didn't pick them to win originally because I thought that they would choke and get nervous in one of the rounds because they're because they're undefeated and that puts a target on your back. But they haven't even been put in that position. So who knows? Maybe if they're put in that position against UCLA or Baylor, maybe they fumble down the stretch, but it honestly doesn't look like it because they don't they don't talk about their being undefeated. They don't they don't care about it. So 
yeah, it's it's to me, it's looking destined for Gonzaga. They've never keep in mind they've never won a national championship before. Neither has Baylor, but this is this is Gonzaga's year. It's been it's been painted as Gonzaga's year from the start of the season, and I think it, that's how it's going to be. So yeah, so women's women's tournament. Uh, I've got um, UConn winning, beating Stanford in the national championship, and in the men's, I've got Gonzaga beating Baylor in the national championship. All um. Oh, I'd be able to one, one, uh, all one seeds in each one, and I have the number one team, best team in the country, coming out on top. And that is going to be all for this episode of the podcast. Sorry, it was a little bit shorter. There just wasn't a huge amount of stuff going on in sports this week besides outside the Final Four, and I think what I've talked about. So, yeah, thank you so much for listening, and I will, I will see you guys back here next week for another episode. Yep, thank you for listening.